get yourself some of this. In this corner with Brian Campbell is back and ready to take hostage of your free time with another dose of that performance enhancing audio. You want it? You need it? Well, look, you got it because we are back, baby. I back. Trust me. I back. It's the name on the marquee, the Brian Campbell coming at you with the MMA edition and the return for the second straight week of the straight shooter himself, Muhammad King Mola Wall, who stops by to talk all things mixed martial arts with your main man, BC, and much, much more, including some pro wrestling talk. But before we get into the latest headlines and predict what's next for Conor McGregor after his August 26th boxing pay-per-view match with Floyd Mayweather, let me remind you to do your part for or the podcast. If you hear something today on the show that you like, if you see something, say something. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, review. Heck, shout us out on social media using that hashtag in this corner. Be sure to sample the other podcasts in the ITC family this week as I sat down with future Hall of Famer Miguel Cotto on the In This Corner Boxing Show previewing his August 26th return and his reaction to Mayweather sliding in them DMs to steal the fight date. And in the world of pro wrestling, we got a great one for you this week, not only previewing SummerSlam and reviewing the great G1 Climax from Japan, but WWE executive Triple H stops by on the wrestling show to talk NXT. The May Young Classic give his opinion on whether Ronda Rousey will join WWE now that all three of her former training partners have made the leap of some form into pro wrestling. But the bottom line is you don't want to miss it as you're sure to be impressed by this podcast and what it can do for you. I'm not impressed by your performance. But with that business behind us, it's time to get cracking on some audio magic as the new era of sorts is beginning for the In This Corner MMA pod. Welcome to the Machida era. No, 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 not the Machida era, Joe Rogan. But King Mo is back and we get right into it with him pulling no punches for the second straight week. Enjoy. All right. King Mo Lawal was so good last week. We had to have him back on again to talk MMA, some pro wrestling, maybe some boxing. Heck, we should do this every week. King Mo, the straight shooter. And I, and I mean that in every sense of the word. How's it been, man? How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. Just uh, chilling, really. That's about it. Chilling is the right way. It's the middle of the summer. It's supposed to be uh, an off time for combat sports. If you look at the MMA calendar, for the most part, UFC, Bellator, we're in a little bit of a break period. But, of course, Mayweather-McGregor is is everywhere, right? It's it, it's taken over the headlines. It, it's our big event of the summer. It's everywhere. King Mo, before we get into that, though, you rock in the crown. You're rocking the King Mo gimmick. It's your thing. But you grew up a, a wrestling fan just like I did. And, and the, the King gimmick had been a big part of pro wrestling for a long time when you're talking Jerry Lawler, Harley Race, Randy Savage, maybe some Booker T action. In your opinion, who rocked the King gimmick the best? I got to go to the King to get the answer about who's the best King. Uh, it's between uh, Lawler and uh, Harley Race. There was, Straight up. there was some royalty there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lawler, it was a lifelong gimmick. Race kind of, you know, that end run with WWE, he brought it back. I got to yeah. admit, though, King Haku, he did it for me, right? <laughs> Man, I, I, I understand if you said King Booker because King Booker got in the character. He even got the English accent. <laughs> um, Harley Race and uh, Jerry King Lawler really. Yeah, for me. The thing I love though about King Haku is everyone, every wrestler that was ever shared the ring with, with him was like, man, too long, too, it's too bad MMA didn't come around 20 years earlier, right? Cause this guy would have broken everybody down. 
I heard I heard he was he was a he's a bad man. I heard he was tough. I heard he was a a real shooter. Absolutely. So uh, randomly enough, King Mo, as as we're on the topic of of the king of the entrances here, I was watching your entrance to Sengoku Five in Japan, two thousand eight, your MMA debut. Any fans out there that didn't didn't see this, King Mo's coming out in the crown and the robe, dancing. There's a flock of females around him, grinding up, dressing provocatively. One's got an umbrella over his head. This is pro wrestling. This is great stuff. What? what tell me about that. Oh uh, well, you know what? I got that whole gimmick. Um. Partly from coming to America with the roses don't at the feet. The umbrella I got from a little mafia documentary because there's a mafia guy. I forgot who it was, but um, he was getting uh, recorded by the um, the FBI. And uh, he's he, so what they do is they walk in the street and the guy would have an umbrella over so the FBI couldn't really record him. And I got that from there. Nice. And then the rest is got from pro wrestling. Like everything is pro wrestling. Like um, the Godfather, <laughs> uh, comma, you know um. I, I just pretty much pro wrestling is my thing. Pro wrestling and kung fu flicks, and um, I just decided to run with that entrance for my for my debut. Did any of those those fine females get get a chance to meet the king up close and personal? If you know what I'm saying? Nah, because they work for the yakuza. Ah, uh, <laughs> good, they're, smart they're, move. Yeah. Smart man, no touch. <laughs> Hand, you can't touch this MC Hammer. That's what we're talking yeah. about. Well, Mo, it was it was Mayweather McGregor Media Day this past week, so. The fight came back into full focus, right? Both Floyd and Connor had their specific days in Vegas there, media all over the place. Well, even though we're building up to Connor versus Floyd, I feel like King Mo that Paulie Malignaggi versus Connor McGregor is like the bigger headline right now with this whole sparring gate and controversy. We know a couple weeks ago, Paulie pulled out of the camp, upset that there were some pictures being leaked. King Mo, is there a rapport a rule a hard and fast rule when you come in to spar with somebody whether it's boxing mma that you wouldn't do the type of thing that connor did that made paulie upset or is paulie being a baby here how do we sort of sort this out from the fighter perspective well let me start from the scratch okay when you're in camp or you're training and you spar you don't spar with one person for 12 rounds or eight rounds really usually you get the 12 rounds you're doing get broke up by three or four different people so to see Polly go a total of 20 rounds in two sessions out of shape kind of made me like wonder, like, why is he, why are they using him for 12 rounds when he's not in shape? Um, two, what happens to sparring stays in sparring unless the sparring partner opens his mouth up and bashes the guy that, that they went, that, that went there to, um, to, that needed work, you know? So if Polly went there and was like, oh, I beat up. Connor, blah, 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 and this and that. Then I understand if Connor leaked some footage. But really, from what I've read and what I've seen, it looked like Polly went there to help him just as a coach a little bit and give him, give him some work. And Polly even said, hey, I'm not in shape, but um, if you really need me, I can be there to help. So, you know, he went there and he's got taken advantage of. Yeah, um, that's the way it did feel from the outside because, you know, Paulie's original comments when talking about the idea of going there was he thought he could really help Connor. You know, not just physically, almost more mentally giving him, you know, Paulie was a slick boxer, not a lot of power. He felt like he could kind of guide Connor in the ways of dealing with that with Floyd. But I think he felt like he was made an example of, right? Like he, he felt like a sparring partner rather than a valuable piece to the camp. Yeah, um, that's the truth. He, this is first, probably his first time in a long time to be a spawn partner like that. Um, and when you watch the footage, it was a push down. It wasn't like someone slowed it down on, on, on Instagram and I was it. And you can see punch a punch. None of the punches really landed. And then, uh, he did like a little Mr. Russian head, head, um, Mr. Russian with his left hand and 
and uh, Polly went down, but nothing landed. But, um, you know, they have to sell a fight some way because if you notice, you've never seen no, no film of Connor training, nothing. You haven't seen nothing, like no type of content of him training besides old stuff and just that 30 second clip of 20 rounds. You know what I'm saying? You get 30 yeah. second clips. That's 30 seconds of about 20. 20 rounds they did, so you figured there'd be more, but I guess they're just trying to keep everybody in their seat. You know, everybody's there wondering what Connor's doing or hoping that he's going to do something different. So we'll see. Well, look, as as valuable as that four city press tour was to gain uh, interest in this fight to get people woken up to two trash talkers, I feel like what the UFC did just a few days ago, it was Friday night after Conor McGregor's media day, was the smartest thing anyone has done in this promotion. You mentioned it. They released the video. Two videos, 24 seconds in total. Dana White put out on his Instagram and Twitter showing Paulie and one taking a, a straight left to the face, which Paulie says was in the 12th round of sparring. You could tell Paulie's not in the best shape. Took a hard straight left to the face, kind of wobbled afterwards. The other video was the 10 seconds of Paulie getting pushed you know knockdown versus uh, versus push however you want to see it like you said when they slow down the video you not only see Connor with his hand on the back of Paulie's neck. You see the referee Joe Cortez saying no. You see him jumping in with a hand gesture that led you to believe it was a push. But my point on this being the smartest move possible is, King Mo, I don't think casual fans pick up on that. I think when they watch that 10 seconds in full motion, they go, oh, wow. Like, Connor's a better boxer than we gave him credit the last three weeks when we're debating this fight. He just hurt a former two-division champion in Paulie and obviously knocked him around, push or knock down or what. I feel like when you're going after the casual fan, they're going to see that video and go, oh, wow, if he can do that to Paulie, he might be able to do that to Floyd. When the experts are like, hold on a second. It's not a, not, a, not an apples to apples comparison here. Well, you think, well, let's be real. Truth be told, that clip hyped the fight up more, but I don't think it bought more pay-per-views because people are going to have their mind made up anyway. You know, without without even seeing that video, people are like, see, I told you, Connor, if he touches Floyd with that left hand, Floyd's going to sleep or – Oh, you know, you see Connor slapping. It's just, it's all, all you see is like, it's just, it's gonna fan the, you know, fan the flames more. People, people, interest is still there, but I don't think that it's gonna sell more pay per views. I think the pay per views are pretty much already sold from the press conference, pretty much. That's a good point. It's a good point. You, you you made your decision at that point whether you think this fight is a farce, but you still have to see it, or you think this fight could somehow be a real legitimate fight. And if you're on that road already, you look at that video, that probably helps you believe it even more. Uh, the only other thing that sort of came out of the media days outside of the regular regurgitation was McGregor further responding to Mayweather's comments that – that he made some racist comments, uh, speaking of McGregor, and Floyd, you know, went as far as saying that this fight is dedicated to all the black people in the world. Connor took a lot of offense to, to that in trying to be called racist. You heard a lot of the comments, uh, Connor saying, dance for me, boy, during the media week. Connor making a reference to people in Rocky Three, calling them monkeys that a lot of people thought he was talking about some African American guys in the gym. Were you offended being a man of color at some of these comments from Connor, or did you sort of see through them? Man, look, I'm not offended by none of that. You know why? Because it's hype. When, it's, when the fight's all said and done, Floyd and Conor are going to shake hands, give each other a hug, and they'll probably be friends. Like, Floyd knows what he's doing because when has Floyd ever said, I'm going to beat this guy up for all my African-American fans? Never. All of a sudden, now you try, now now all of a sudden you decide to say that? Come on, Floyd. You know, I understand you got to get paid. And Conor, like, Conor, you know, my, I talked to my friends about it, and my friends said Conor should know better because Conor listens to hip-hop music and grew up listening to hip-hop music. Yes and no, you know what I'm saying? Like, he should know a little something, but at the same time, he's trying to sell a fight. So a lot of that stuff you say, 
goes out the window. It's kind of like when Bernard Hopkins said, I would never lose to a white boy. Yes. He fought Joe Calzaghe. And guess what? He lost to a white boy. The <laughs> <laughs> you know, thing is, he just said that to sell the fight because, you know, it's hard to sell a fight with a, you know, with a guy that's like Joe Calzaghe was known, but in America, he wasn't that known. He just, he just, you know, so when Bernard Hopkins said, hey, I'll never lose a white boy, people are like, oh, what, what, what's this? Where this come from? And then the lines were drawn. So yeah, Bernard was not to it. This is all hype. It's yeah, all hype. that's that's a smart way to look at it. Bernard. By the way, was a master marketer when, when there was no hype for his fights. I remember when he fought Kovalev in 2014. I interviewed him in his gym, sit down video interview for ESPN. I said, you know, why are not a lot of people talking about this fight like they should? You're 49. You're fighting this killer in Kovalev. He goes. Because I'm black. And then he went on this genius rant that, you know, may or may have had partial truths, maybe not all full truth, but it got him on SportsCenter. It got attention to the fight. Connor, in this case, though, was so mad. He said, quote, uh, Floyd is a man who beats his wife in front of his kids. He is the dirt of the dirt, end quote. That's noteworthy because that was something that Connor didn't touch during the Four City Media Tour was Floyd's, you know, backstory of a lot of domestic violence. It was interesting to see Connor ruffled that much that he reached for that, that he went there. I'm not sure it had much of an effect, though. Well, when it comes down to it, man, uh, people are tuning in to watch a fight. They're not tuning to watch somebody's personal life. You know, they're, they're, no, seriously, there are a lot of people out there that have um, – They've probably had domestic disputes with their with their loved ones, or some, or even had a love of lie on them and, and call the police on them and they get arrested for a domestic dispute. But when it comes down to it, people are tuning in to watch Floyd and and Connor box in the boxing ring. That's about it. Well, the other news out of this week that had more to do with the fight than the whole, you know, reality TV narrative was the idea of changing the glove size from 10 ounces back down to 8 ounces. Floyd is the one pushing this. The Nevada State Athletic Commission at first said, no, you, you can't do this. You already agreed to a glove change. It's not our health and safety codes don't allow it. Well, you know, Floyd doesn't get what he wants very often in Las Vegas. Now, King Mo, they are going to vote on it this week of changing the glove size from 10 ounces to 8 ounces. I want to try to look through this and say, why is Floyd doing this? Why is he willing? He he gave an interview to ESPN where he says, life is all about taking chances, end quote. That was his justification for trying to push this. Why is he trying to do this in your eyes? Make the fight more brutal. Um, make it make his punches count more, possibly embarrass. The thing is, with those smaller gloves, like, yeah, you land, it's going to be harder, but you have to be, you have to be accurate to land those shots. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna, people think it's going to help Connor, but it's going to hurt Connor. And in the long run, the commission is to look out for, for Connor's health and Floyd's health because we don't want another Pritchard Malone situation, another Joe McClellan situation, True. another Magomed Abdeslamov situation. You know, like, I don't, you know, the, the commission is on, you know, they're, they're kind of, um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but I think that it's kind of questionable, like them letting Floyd box Connor is kind of, it's kind of, you know, they have to realize that boxing and MMA are two different sports. Like, could you, would you okay Floyd coming to fight Jose Aldo or Khabib? Right. No chance. Mouth? No, like, that, you know, so how could you okay Connor boxing Floyd? Could you imagine if the commission, if, say, say, say Connor happened to beat Floyd, then Errol Spence comes and is like, I want to fight Connor next. Could you imagine the commission okaying that? Cause now you're done with the Errol Spence, who's a true killer, who's, who didn't take no two years off, who just beat, brutalized Kell Brook, who yes. brutalized everybody's fight. And has in him versus Connor, that would be that would end bad for Connor. You know, I, like 
you, the commission has to be smart on this. You know? Well, it, you're right. I mean, they it surprised a lot of people that they were willing to to sanction this fight as a real fight. Now there's so much money at stake, but that's always the excuse, right? Like Floyd had his 2012 jail sentence delayed a month by the state of Nevada, by the Athletic Commission, so that he could fight Miguel Cotto that May, right? Because they said it's bringing in hundreds of millions to the city. It's a smart move. We'll let him go to jail a month later. It feels like there's no rules. It's like the wild, wild west, right? Well, it, many talks, you know. So, um, you know, this, this, they, they said they said this could break the record. We'll see. You know, um, ticket sales aren't as good as they was everybody thought they'd be because I guess they're overpriced. Um. And I think this is more like, you know, when I heard Floyd say this is not a fight, this is an event, that should open people's eyes up. When when a man in the fight says this is not a fight, this is an event. <laughs> then wake up, people. Wake up. But you know what? I'm not the, I'm not the one to hate because, you know, Floyd Connor did a great job of marketing this fight, and I hope it does well. You know, um, personally, I'm not going to watch it. I'll probably watch my Miguel Cutover's over his comma guy or go catch a movie, but – I, you know, if I'm my watch, I'll see it on Facebook. Or is this a straight shoot? Because a lot of people say, like Floyd's the best example. He always says, you know, when the, when there would be a Pacquiao fight, Floyd say, "Oh, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. I was out. You know, whatever." You mean this? You're not going to watch this fight in any form? No, I'm not going to. You know, I'll, I'll catch it later. You know, um, like I, I, you know, the the undercard is good. Like the main card is good. Like you know, you see Nathan Cleverly versus uh, Badu Jack. Oh, that that could be a sneaky brawl, right? Yeah, I might I might catch some of the undercard fights, but it's the main event. Like um. No interest, you know, because to me it's not a fight. It's more of like an exhibition. Like, people think it's boxer versus MMA fighter. Well, it's former boxer because Floyd really isn't box no more. It's former boxer versus current MMA fighter because Floyd's not really a boxer no more. He's he's retired. He's come out of retirement, you know, two years later. Um, I don't I don't look at him as a as a truly competitive boxer anymore. I look at him as a person that's doing this just a one-time thing and then he's going to slip, slip away. Well, Floyd said that this time he did promise his kids. He promised uh, manager Al Heyman he would not come back no matter what. I mean, we've heard that by from every boxer. But it seems decently sincere this time. Connor, though, says King Mo, he wants to come back and alternate between boxing and MMA in the future. This is the first time in the buildup he said this, that he wants to, you know, I mean, he's saying it under the guise of I'm going to defeat Floyd. So now he wants to be able to sort of, there's no belt on the line, right? But he wants to sort of defend the title of beating Floyd, you know, so that means he could take an MMA fight next and a boxing fight after. After that, the reality of that statement probably comes down to will people want to see him fight in another boxing match and pay a big pay-per-view sum? So if they would want to, it would mean he would have to be competitive, right? He would have to, you know, even if he loses, he would have to show that he could be a factor in boxing. Yeah, or they could find somebody else that's not, that's not as good as Floyd. They could talk trash back and that has... That you know that has a background, you know the background with Connor, like Polly Malignaggi. There, I was just gonna say it. I was gonna say, do you? Is there any chance that we are the ones being worked here, King Mo? That that these guys are a lot smarter. These guys, meaning both Connor and Polly, than we're giving them credit for. Is this a work? And this will be your next pay per view match, you know, in February. I mean, is this where we're going? I don't think it's a work. I think that it just organically happened. You know, because you know, because Con- Polly was talking trash about Connor fighting Floyd. Then Connor's people reached out to Polly. Polly was like, okay. So Polly became humbled and was like, you know what? I'm there to help. When he went there to help, he got taken advantage of, and now he's speaking his mind. But is. at the same time, he can't speak too much because he's on the commentary, you know? So he can't really bash Connor because if he bashes Connor real bad, then he's, then he's bashing the fight. So he has to say certain things at the right time and then wait, wait his turn to see what happens after this fight. 
That's fair. It'll be interesting to hear how he handles that on the commentary team on that fight night. Uh, finally, on this fight, King Mo, somebody bet $880,000 on Mayweather to win. If if he does win, they would take in $160,000. Good bet or bad bet in your eyes, if you got that kind of cash to throw around? Uh, it's a good bet, but it's a bad bet at the same time because injuries can happen. You know, I remember watching, uh, I think, Epifiano Mendoza fight to combo Rajaday years ago and Takumbo was doing good but got dropped and when he tried to get up he broke his ankle so the fight was yes stopped. you know um i've seen i've seen things happen like you know um accidental headbutts or you know a, a clash of heads at the end of the third or fourth round and they go to the judges scorecard so bernard hopkins you know, getting slammed on his shoulder against chad dawson remember that yep remember that um it, it, it was staples arena yeah that was a pay-per-view by the way that was a ill-advised was Chad Dawson. Oh, yeah, for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Then Chad handily beat him in the rematch. But give Bernard Hopkins credit. He's, he had further comebacks after that. We thought he, Every time we thought he was done, he came back. King Mo, a little bit of MMA news sprinkling around this week. One of them is that John Jones's coach, Mike Winklejohn, his striking coach, told Submission Radio this week that John had an arm injury suffered two days before that UFC 214 victory over Daniel Cormier. He heard it in wrestling. He couldn't lift his arm. He wrestled a little bit too hard with his partner during a warm-up. Winklejohn says the game plan changed out of fear that John couldn't underhook Cormier with his her arm, and that's why I guess he didn't go for takedowns and didn't wrestle. Are you buying this as a matchup in your eyes? Hell no. <laughs> because the first thing Jones did after the first or second round is he did this. The arms Remember? up, yes. He threw, his arm, he threw his arms up and was like, yeah, let's go, let's go. You know, like, thing is, like, he probably might have been injured, but who knows how bad the injury was because he did try to underhook Daniel, you know. You know, um, injuries happen. We're all injured at some point, but, uh, you know, Daniel Jones, that was a good fight. You know what I'm saying? But as far as the injuries concerned, I'm pretty sure Daniel had an injury. They all have injuries. We all have injuries. So, you know, um, things just happen. That it's seems to be the, the, the thing. Like, if you're not injured, there must be a problem, right? Like, everybody's banged up in some form entering a big fight. Cause, because look at Jones couldn't back out of this fight, right? That could have been the end of him as a, as a main eventer had he tried to pull out of this fight. So it's just the way it is in fighting. Yeah, man. You know, um, when you have to wrestle, when you have to box, you have to kickbox, you have to do jujitsu, went through strength training, all that, and then you're fatigued doing that week after week. You will have some bumps and bruises and maybe some some injury, you know. So it's part of the game. You just have to train smart. And you have to find ways to recover. Well, do you find in your training these days that you're doing less physical contact, less hard sparring than you did in 2009, 2010? Well, I've never sparred hard. I did more like smart, smart sparring. Like I worked. You know, I wear bigger gloves to protect my opponents. I wear headgear. I always wear a mouthpiece. I, you know, I, I, I kind of – um. I handicap myself in a sense because I'm not trying to go out there and battle. My thing is I'm trying to go out there with my game plan. So, you know, one round might be just all jabs. Next round might be all jabs and body work. And then other round might be like jabs, lift hooks, and counters. So, you know, I'm I'm just working. It's just work. That's all it is. Is there – could you ever have a bad camp and still have a good performance on fight night? Does that equation ever work? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it happens. You know, um, like I just I – really, I don't really rate the camp. I just – you know, I really do camp. I more than anything, I just kind of just spend a few weeks to focus my opponent, and that's all you need to do. So just be in shape and spend a few weeks to focus on your opponent. Um, that's all I do. But uh, as far as like having a bad camp, I'm pretty sure people have bad camps but still go out there and win. I've seen it happen in wrestling. I've seen guys in wrestling uh 
go out there and practice matches. Now, win one practice match, get smashed by the backup guys, then go out there for a big wrestling match and look great under the lights. Yeah. Those bright lights do do add a different element of of win or go home of of must win status. There, other news this week is that the UFC is targeting forty two year old Anderson Silva in a fight November twenty fifth in China. It would be against Kelvin Gastelum. Now, King Mo, I got issues with UFC's booking of a star like Anderson Silva. Right, we saw him in February against Derek Brunson in an attempt to sort of save UFC two hundred eight. Put that on as the co main. I didn't think that was a fight anybody wanted to see. As much as I like Kelvin Gastelum and as much as this matchup may be fun to watch, I don't think this is a proper use of a star late in his career. Don't you just want to see Anderson Silva against other stars at this point? Like, what's he going to gain going in there and beating Kelvin Gastelum? Well, that's – I don't know. I, I don't understand either. Does it Gastelum come for a loss? Didn't he lose his last fight? Yeah, I believe yeah. – he, yeah, he was. He lost to Weidman, right, coming off of the coming off of the victory over Belfort. He lost to Weidman. Um. That, if I were them, I just I just book um Anderson versus whoever he wants to fight. Like let's get the big fights going, you know. Um, Anderson versus you know whoever's a winning fight. Hey, how about Weidman, right? The first their first two fights were both kind of sketchy in the way they ended. Like that'd be a better storyline matchup than saying, hey Anderson, we're gonna give you another you know middle of the road hungry young lion. Where what do you gain in that? You know, it's like. I look at the the booking at the end of the career of let's say Rich Franklin, you know, former champion, former two-time champion. His end run, he was sort of waiting on a shelf and whenever the UFC needed a main event against another legend, usually at a catchweight, they'd plug Rich Franklin in. His last few fights was against Belfort, Liddell, Forrest, Vanderlei, Kung Lee. It was like, "Hey, you're an attraction, you're an older guy, you're not the same, but your fights are going to be fun. You're, you know, you slipped up a little bit on on your speed and reflexes." A guy like Silva who relies on speed and reflexes at 42 you don't need to see him in there against younger guys, right? Like, get get GSP in the bullpen for this. I know he's got other business right now, but I just don't want to see Silva in fights that don't matter because King Bo, it makes him ordinary. This is not an ordinary guy and shouldn't ever be treated like an ordinary guy. Well, I think it might be, it might come down to his relationship with the UFC because, you know, Rich Franklin probably had a different relationship with the UFC. Um, Anderson, I, I, personally, I wouldn't mind seeing him in super fights like, but the thing is, maybe the UFC has different plans. I have no idea. Maybe they're trying to get him another title run. I have no idea. So um, it's going to come out to what Anderson Silva and his, and his uh, manager say. True. Most- what do you think he has left? And you look at that recent run. You know, he fought Bisping in 2016, the fight before Michael Bisping winning the, the middleweight title by upset. That five-round fight in England – I thought Anderson Silva won that fight. I thought he got maybe a little bit of a of a wrong turn on by the judges there. But I think frustrating as a fan, he didn't do enough. It's like every time he sort of was ahead on Bisping, he was content to just do Anderson Silva things, right? Flash some some fancy kickboxing and karate and not kind of go for the finish. Do you think he still has what it takes to, I guess, make a title run and compete on the highest level again? Yeah, I think he still has what it takes. But you remember, man, like we none of us can beat Father Tom. Even I see myself getting look. I, I feel myself getting older. You know, I'm I'm getting a little, I'm getting like you know, losing some muscle mass. Uh, like you know, getting a little more fatigued and some training. You know, things are feeling heavier than you know that I used to. Be, things I used to be able to rep, I'm, <laughs> they're feeling heavy. So I'm like, you know, it's just part of this part of the game. You can't you can't beat Father Time. You know, and uh, Anderson is trying to beat Father Time with smarts. Like he's out going out there trying to, you know, he's doing his work, but at the same time he can't go over the finish because maybe he's in the cardio to do it. Good so point. maybe he's trying to act like he's doing something to to get the judges on his side. So when it comes down to it, you know, you can't beat Father Tom. You have to figure out ways to um, be effective. And 
You know, you can only do so much when you're getting a little older. And it is a young man's game. It always will be. It feels like, you know, heavyweight might be the only division where you can linger at 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, and sometimes still be a factor, right? Well, yeah, well I'm not saying it's a young man's game, but it's a smart man's game. Mm. Because, you know, Anderson Silva, when he's fighting smart, he can beat anybody, you know. But uh, when, when, he's fighting, when, he's, when he's forced to push the action and make it a, a firefight, that's when he possibly could lose it, lose because at 42 years old, even at, at 30, like even with me at, at 36, firefights are hard to do. You know, yeah. you can only do so many of them. So, uh, you know, Anderson's had a long career, but fighting for a long time. So when it comes down to it, he has to fight smarter now as you, as you get older. Now, I'm not a uh, professional booker. I'm not trying to start anything here. But at 42, and I'm a fan of Anderson, I have a great deal of respect for him. Would I rather see him in there, like I mentioned, again in these middleweight fights that might not matter against younger guys that can hurt him? Or would I rather see him, like, in Bellator, headlining cards against other legends who he could beat, right? Like him against Rampage? I'd be down for that. Like, these are the kind of things I'd rather see. I know he's under contract with the UFC. We can't just pluck him out and put him on the other side of the street. But that's one thing Bellator does well. They sort of treat the legends with legendary respect, put them in fights they can win, but they're still competitive. It's called hashtag old guy fights. It's one of my favorite things in sports, boxing or MMA. You pop from the nostalgia. I'd rather see Silva doing that. That's all I'm saying. Well, you, you know, it's all about entertainment, too, <clears throat> because if you put two guys with a name that are, like, somewhat evenly matched, you're going to get a good fight. Now, if you put a young guy in, like, like um, you put a young guy, I'm not going to say no names because I'm not trying to try basketball, but you put a young guy in versus a, uh, versus an old head, the young lion might just outwork the old head and make him look bad. You know, you don't want to make your make your legends look bad because they're, they're not. It's just that you know, they're maybe they're a little past their prime or they're, you know, that's like Vitor Belfort when he fought Gastelum earlier this year, right? I thought Vitor looked good and he and he went for the kill, but you're fighting a young, hungry guy like like you just mentioned. They got put down. A young, fresh guy, you know, because Vitor has been at this at this game for a long time, man. Been fighting since what ninety five, if not yeah, about ninety five, ninety six. Oh yeah, I mean he's going back to the to the days of of wearing shoes and of of basically bare knuckles, right? I mean, and it's Vitor is the guy who's always pushing, by the way, for a legends league, which in theory is a really bad idea because you don't want these guys taking extra head trauma. But I almost want to say, hey Vitor, there is a legends league. It's called Bellator MMA, and the ratings are huge, and they love you. Go across the street, go there, dude. Uh, well, we'll see. Let's, I, I hope he does. I hope he listens, takes your advice. Yeah, um, there, there it is. Mike, or the UFC might offer him, a, offer him a, another deal and with more money, he might stay here um, or stay there with the UFC. So um, we'll see what happens, man. Uh, it's interesting times right now. Absolutely. Another uh, interesting turn of events in recent weeks was, you know, we mentioned the GSP comeback. He will now, of course, face middleweight champion Michael Bisping. That's November 4th at Madison Square Garden in New York. Now, it's a big deal. It's a big fight. A lot of intrigue. I just feel like Tyron Woodley, the welterweight champion, really got double-crossed and screwed here. Dana White had switched gears, had said the winner of Woodley Maya at UFC 214 in late July was going to get that title shot. Then Woodley puts out what Dana White called a five-round stinker, and he loses that shot out of nowhere, right? And Dana White says it's because of that boring fight. That just doesn't make sense. You can't, this is like you, this is a real professional league. You can't make booking decisions like that. I was upset for Tyron Woodley like that. Well, you know what? They knew what they were going to do. They weren't going to give the fight to Woodley. They didn't give the fight to Bisman because if you look at – like the draw, Bisping is probably a bigger draw as far as like European and, Very true. and market. And GSP is bigger than America, Europe, and in Canada. So they knew what they were doing. They weren't going to ever give Tom Willie that fight because the thing is that they were looking at, okay, we're, we're, we're getting, we're getting um, GSP back. Who can we have in a fight that's going to sell a lot of pay-per-views? And Bisping. 
Well, business, it makes sense. Business, but what does it say for having a real organization with rules and rankings? And, of course, it's not one decision. This You, you add this decision to some of the other head-scratching decisions, which was stripping the title from Jermaine Durandamy at, at featherweight in the UFC women's division to open up the door for Cyborg. Now, I'd rather have Cyborg as champion, but I don't know if that was really fair to have a different champion just pull the belt around, you know, off her waist to, to give somebody else a chance. It just seems like there's been some decisions lately which are obvious these are made for business reasons and financial reasons only. And it's, it's sometimes hard to deal with that. Yeah, Jermaine, I guess Jermaine didn't want to defend the title versus um, Cyborg in the first fight back. But I would know the story. But what it comes down to, like I said years ago, MMA is not a sport. It's entertainment. It's like Bellator tried to do the sport thing years ago about the tournament. And people weren't feeling it because people were like, we want, uh, we want to see different matchups. Okay, well – Okay, you want to see different matchups so that if if the matchmakers can make the matchups that you want, then that just means it's entertainment. Because every true sport has a tournament format, the playoffs or the Olympics. They all have a tournament format to see who the best the best athlete in that competition is. MMA, you kind of can pick and choose unless you're doing a Grand Prix type tournament. Good point. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it is about pay-per-view buys. It is about television ratings. It is about money in the end. It's just like Bisping, though. You know, you give him credit for knocking out Luke Rockhold. Nobody saw that coming. He was a late replacement. He had gotten dominated by Rockhold just, what, two years before that. But what is his run? One year, one title defense against a 46-year-old Dan Henderson, and he got dropped twice. And I thought Bisping lost to Anderson Silva the year before. And now he's fighting a former welterweight four years removed from the game. Now, obviously, it's GSP. I love GSP. Most of us love GSP. It just waters down the belt in that division when that is a deep division. I know they've figured it out in recent matches. But, you know, six months ago, you didn't know who was going to come out of that division, whether it was Jacare, whether it was, you know, Romero, whether it was Rockhold again or Whitaker, who ended up coming out of that group. I just It just waters down your title. Do you get excited, though, just to have GSP back in any form? Do you pop for GSP as, as an MMA fan? Uh, yeah, I like, I like GSP. I think, I think he's a, a good fighter. It's just that I'm um, now with him fighting for the belt and Robert Whitaker having a belt. The belts mean nothing. How many interim belts do I have? That's you know, a great point. Like, it mean, they mean nothing. Like, it's, it's, it's a point where having the belt doesn't mean nothing. It's just getting big fights. And that's why you see the new trend now in the UFC. Everybody's trying to get the super fight. For the past few years, I want a super fight. Super fight. The belt, believe, doesn't matter anymore. Well, you know, that's and- the problem because the UFC belt used to always matter. And the reason why that was important was because it was anti-boxing. And as much as we all love boxing, we know where boxing is a broken system. And boxing is a broken system because there's 15 titles in every division, right? S- supposedly four of those titles matter. But you cannot turn on a televised fight anymore without a belt of some form being pushed into the front of the screen. Even if it's, that's like the NABF regional state of New Jersey welterweight title that nobody cares about. Even – Right, like even pay-per-view fights that don't have belts, the WBC will still create a belt. Like this, this uh, Connor, right? Isn't isn't the Connor Floyd fight WBC offered to create some kind of like diamond welterweight championship belt for a guy in his pro debut? It just makes no sense. I don't want to see MMA in that same spot. Well, the, the diamond belt is pretty much just for any big, like any time, anything big, like special occasion. They just make a diamond belt for it. So that, that's only like that's only like a special thing, but um, it's not a belt you defend. Um, I don't know the, if fans know that though. I don't know if fans realize that. I, I know a lot of fans. A lot of fans don't even know the, anything about the belts. Period. You know, like I know about the belts because, like, you know, I follow boxing. But the major, the main belt that everyone fights for is the ring magazine belt. Yes. 
and that's a belt that you can't even like you can't really even hold. It's just a it's just a consensus saying that you are the top champion out of all the champions: WBA, WBC, IBF, um, and uh, there's another one. Um, WBO. WBO, yeah. So well, even that got watered down. Not not to always poke in everything in boxing. That used to be the go-to title, right? Because it could only be fought for the Ring Magazine belt if it was number one versus number two in their division. But then Ring Magazine changed their ranking system, which made it easier to fight for it. We also know that Ring is owned by Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy Promotions. Sometimes those rankings get sketchy. It's almost like there's a thing called the line- the lineal championship, which is the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy. To some people, that is the only thing that matters, right? And you can trace back the lineage of you know who was the last champion to beat the guy for the belt and on and on but it, boxing is a wild mess but king mo i want to ask you on, our, on the boxing podcast i do we have a game called what's it look like where we just throw out matchups they could be realistic ones we might see it could be historic matchups we just want to know what would that look like in the ring michael bisping versus gsp for the middleweight championship king mo what does that look like i think i think bisping would be too big too um too sharp I think he'll be in shape. Um, I think Bisping will outwork him because being four years removed, that means that, um, you know, uh, GSP is going to be four years behind. As a matter of fact, like with the style and everything, things have changed. Like GSP is to the blitz that blitz the, um, one, two, one Superman punch, leg kick shot or, you know, jab, leg kick, Superman punch, j- Superman punch the jab, takedown. That blitz style is now gone because people have caught on to that. So, um, Man, that, he, that talks to the evolution of the sport, right? It's constant. Yeah, it's constant. And they're, they're always they're, they're new trends. Now the new trend right now is boxing. If you see, you see more boxing. You see less kickboxing now. You see more hands. Um, I, I think that GSP's – hopefully, if he's been training, I think that the fight could be somewhat competitive. But if he hasn't been training and he's been kind of like casually training, then I got Bisping. I'm just, 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 he's too big, too strong, and uh, too sharp right now. What do you think of Bisping's wrestling uh, compared to GSP's if it goes to the ground early? Uh, Bisping's wrestling is not as good, but the thing is that he can get up to his, get up to his feet. I've, you've, yet, you've yet to see anybody really hold him down. He's always got back to his feet off the of takedowns. And uh, the thing is, with Bisping being the bigger man – GSP's going to have to spend that much more energy to keep him down or to even attempt to take down. All right, all right. Number two on our what's it look like this week, King Mo. I'm going to play matchmaker for a second. This is a fight that maybe could happen. I don't know. I'm not behind the scenes. King Mo versus Chael Sonnen at light heavyweight. What's it look like? It's not going to happen. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, I respect Chael. When I, when I was sick with stab infection, he reached out to me and was one of the few people out there, other than Daniel Cormier and a few other guys I'm friends with, that was like, hey, if you need any financial help, I'm here for you. I didn't need any, thank goodness, but uh, just just for him to actually call me out the blue and and, and offer that to Good me, dude, says a lot. Okay, so that that would be a wrestling match, by the way, right? That would be a wrestling match if it, in a fantasy world if it happens. If it was a pro wrestling match, I would hit him with the chair and get the. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, what does it look like? Connor said, "If you now, Connor, okay, Dana White said that Connor said. So take that, pre, you know, with a grain of salt. Dana White says Connor says when he comes back this fall, presumably to the to the octagon, he wants to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov and he wants to fight him in Russia. What would the, what, what does that look like if that happened?" Well, I'm gonna tell you this from from from, from hearing the way things are talking about. I, I think that maybe Connor signed like a maybe like a three or four fight deal, and was like, hey, you know, you know, whatever you want to see, you got paid for Floyd. That's cool. We're gonna pay you this much for those four fights. You're gonna do two in the boxing ring, two in MMA. Oh, interesting. Because that only makes sense. Because why would you come back and fight Habib in Russia? That's my point, right? That guy. So. T- 
Let's talk about Habib for a second. He doesn't come to take you down, I like to say. He comes to eat your soul while he's got you on the camp. I mean, this guy's a beast. I don't think Connor wants any of this, right? Well, for the right amount of money, yeah. You know, um, Connor could, 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 could try to catch him coming in, and that's his best bet. But um, when it comes down to it, like the UFC probably talked to Connor, did a little four fight deal, but gave him two chances in boxing, two fights in, in MMA, and possibly he could have extended, and that was it. Or maybe even a three fight deal, maybe two in boxing, one in MMA. But you know, it's just that's the only thing that makes sense. You know, why would he come back after fighting Floyd? That's a great point. Why would he come back against a guy who's twenty four and zero, who who whose strength is supposedly Connor's weakness, right? The takedown defense. Although you know, anyone who saw Habib fight Michael Johnson saw him get light up a little bit in the beginning, right? With strikes, it maybe show that he's open to that. But Michael Johnson at the same time is a different style than Connor. He's more mobile as far as moves side to side. And he has a wrestling background. Connor has no wrestling background. And Michael Johnson looked good for about mm, two minutes. And then after that, we saw what happened. And that was Habib's first fight back in a while, you know, because I think he's come off of Ramadan and uh, also injury. So interesting. You know, um, interesting. Uh, to yeah. follow up on what we said GSP earlier, if he comes back and beats Bisping and wins the two titles in two different weight classes, joining that elite group, which is Randy Couture, BJ Penn, and now Conor McGregor, do we have to lift him up where we already consider GSP historically, or would we maybe put an asterisk and say, you know, it's kind of a dirty title you just won? Nah, just lift him up. You know what I'm saying? Because it would be actually really impressive for him to to be step, stepped away for four years and come back and beat the current champion. That's pretty impressive. I agree with that. I, th- I think you'd, you'd raise him up even more. Uh, another bit of news this week was uh, our good friend from Bellator, or my good friend, I love talking to him. I don't know if you're good friends with him. The meathead himself, Matt Mitrione, my man, joined the Pat McAfee radio show this week talking about Brock Lesnar. This is what he said, quote, I would beat the effing brakes off Brock Lesnar. There's no question about that whatsoever. He would never fight me, never. He would fight John Jones because he could think he could take John Jones down. He would never fight me. I've been asking to fight Brock since the day I went to the Ultimate Fighter. If you think that dude is an athlete, go suck a beep. That dude is not an athlete. He's a giant body. End quote. This guy Meathead going in, going in inside on Brock right there. You think he's right? Uh, you know what? I think Brock is an athlete. I saw Brock wrestling college. Um, you, you see, even in the even the, watching watching the shooting star press, I went to OVW and my boy was like, Mo. Brock Lesnar did a shooting star press here in this ring. And that's pretty impressive. That's pretty crazy impressive. impressive for the guy that size. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think more than anything, like, you know, if a meathead wants to fight him, cool. You know, try to make the fight happen. But, I, you know, I think Brock's a pretty, pretty good athlete, you know. So, I think he's like the the yeah. the biggest freak athlete maybe of this era that we've ever seen, right? Like, that's the only part of Meathead's rant that I'm like, eh, I don't know about that, you know. The biggest freak athlete we've ever seen is probably LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah. a, You know, which is always people are like, man, what if that guy was a receiver in the NFL? I mean, those are like legitimate thoughts you could have in your mind. Or a tight end or, you know, what if he, what if he came to MMA and or what if he boxed? You know, imagine Great he point. could do a lot with that frame. No doubt about it. Uh, King Mo, the uh, G1 Climax tournament wrapped up, talking pro wrestling and NJPW this week. Did you get a chance to watch this tournament at all over the past month and a half with Kenny Omega in the finals? You know what? I, I didn't I didn't get a chance to catch it all, but I saw, I saw who won. I heard Naito won. He, in an epic match, King Mo, where there was like seven different spots where you're like, oh, that guy broke his neck. No, no, now, now Kenny definitely broke his neck. Oh, Naito just broke his neck again. It's like... I love Naito. Naito. Yeah. <laughs> Naito's good. So is Kenny, man. Like, um, 
New Japan's doing their thing right now. Um, New Japan, Ring of Honor, like Global Force. I like the way I like the way they're moving. Now WWE needs to step their game up a little more because right now, like their project's kind of stale. They're doing too many. They're recycling too many matches. Too I agree. many feuds. Um, I think the 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 brand split is terrible. I think it's good for the for the for the wrestlers, but I think for the for the fans, it's not that good because you there there there's more myth, there's more matches you can see and more storylines you can see if you take away the um the brand split. And it does kind of water down the belt. And I know, look, it's pro wrestling; the belts mean nothing. But if you to be a pro wrestling fan, you have to pretend the belts mean something. So it does water it down when at all times you have two champions. You know, I mean that that sort of doesn't serve it right. I think that what the brand split did well was. Make the pay-per-views a little bit more must-see. Like, I don't feel like they mail in the pay-per-views as much, but overall, there's not a buzz to the WWE product right now. And you had that in Japan because these matches were hellacious and because the guys can swear during the promos. It's a different model. It's a different market. Tama Tonga. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, those, like, you know, he can work, but um, if you, I think that more than anything, like, uh, the style. The style of New Japan and Ring of Honor is a lot stiffer. And it just looks better in the action. Granted, people say there's no there's no psychology, but now I'm starting to see a little more psychology oh, in the matches. You know, granted it's not like how it used to be, but there is some psychology still. You know, um, and now they're I think I think it's more entertaining. You know, what I'm saying like um the spots more than anything. Well, but it feels I, real. They treat it almost like it's a real shoot more often than not, and WWE doesn't do enough of that in my eyes. Uh, yeah, they don't, WWE has a different style. That's why you see when the like you know Bobby Fish, No Riley, and Gaston Ring of Honor, Dijak, and Leo Rush, they have a different style. I've seen them wrestle Wrestle Circus and everything, but they have to go to NXT to get used to the new WWE yes. style. You know, and you look at Shinsuke Nakamura and, and Hideo Itami, like they've dropped the ball with them. You know, Shinsuke, how many matches he wrestled? Like two? Not enough. Think about it, like you know, like he he like you know he'll go out there, not saying, smile with Dolph Ziggler, and then like you know he wrestle match, someone interfere, like it, it's just. I don't know. I feel like they could, they could do a lot more with him a lot sooner, too. Well, I had Triple H on our wrestling podcast this week that'll launch on Wednesday. And I, you know, pointedly asked him, I'm like, I know you know what's going on in Japan. I know they're not a real rival to WWE like WCW was, right? Like, you know, business wise, they're not there, but they're, they're having an imprint. How has that forced you with WWE to change? You know, to adjust, and he sort of took it. Now you you understand his position because he's a businessman. He's the head of WWE, but he took it as no, they're not our competition. Our competition is NXT, and those young guys in the locker room knocking on our door. Now you get why he said that, but I really think long term NJPW is the real competition. Maybe they won't affect financially to be enough of a competition to to make an impact, but hardcore wrestling fans are praising NJPW way more than they're praising WWE. Well, the thing is, it, they, New Japan is competition. It is because here's the thing, right? You're gonna start seeing guys from WWE and even NXT that get cut. Be like, you know what? Let's go to New Japan. Let's go to New Japan. Like those, the word is Dolph Ziggler's gonna go out there. Let's go to New Japan. Let's let's rebrand ourselves, and then if you want, go back. But the thing is, New Japan has a deal with Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, you know, all those organizations work together. They all work together. So I think that you're gonna see, like, look at Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is hot right now. Look at Marty Skrull's hot right now. Even yep. Juice Robinson, he was yeah, Juice. Yeah, Juice. He was Robinson. a cast off from NXT, right? He got cut, and now he's on fire. And, and you, look, you look at um, who else is on? Uh, I forgot. I was gonna drop another name. Uh, ah, 
I just went blank. Uh, I just went blank. Somebody else that um that that was from NXT or WWE that's do, do doing pretty well. You know, there are a few of them out there doing. Pretty I think well. they can do it because it's all about the wrestling first and foremost. More than anything else, it's about the meat in the ring. It's about the backbone of why you're there. Like I love promos, I love storylines, I love all that. But those ultimately are the sauce and the dressing. When the meat is the wrestling, and I think that people in NJPW are allowed to attempt to try to have five-star matches, where in WWE it feels like. Now, it feels like if you're not in the main event or the co-main event, you're almost not allowed to try to go out there and put on a thriller. That's the thing. You don't want to outshine the um, the main event. Um, when, you look at New, when you look at New Japan, you look at indie-style wrestling, you see more trends change. The indie-style wrestlers in New Japan, even Ring of Honor and Global, like – you start seeing the trends. Things must change. Must things change there? Then things change the WWE. You know, if you notice, like um, absolutely, the, all the high flyers, the cruiserweights, the the stiff, the stiffer matches. You start seeing more MMA submissions now. You know, you're starting to see more MMA integration. Um, like that comes with guys like coming from like Matt Riddle, for instance. That, so I was going to bring up. That's the best point you can make. Go for it. You know, you see guys like Phil Barone, you see Stefan Bond, you see guys come from MMA backgrounds. Shayna Baszler. You know, the four horsewomen, you know, they're coming from MMA and bringing a stiffer, somewhat stiffer MMA style with MMA submissions, MMA transitions to pro wrestling. Matt Riddle, the change. Matt Riddle was the UFC cast off who's now one of the hottest guys on the indie scene. You know, everyone else you mentioned is, is doing that. I mean, Baszler is, she's getting a push in this May Young Women's Classic that they're going to run the finals of on the WWE Network in September. To close here, King Mo, we do, you, you mentioned Stefan Bonner, who by the way, let's just put the shout out. Friday, he does make his pro wrestling debut at a show in Jamaica, New York, which is going to be interesting to see. He does face Matt Riddle. So I'm uh, a 40 year old rookie in wrestling, Stefan Bonner. He's got the right attitude for it. I'm excited to see how that comes out. But the big wrestling this weekend is obviously SummerSlam Sunday night in Brooklyn. Will you be watching it? And if so, what, what do you want to see from this main event, this fatal four way? Brock Lesnar, Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to that match. I just don't know what they're going to do. Um, because you can get Braun Strowman looking unbeatable. Then you got Samoa Joe who can really move and work. Then you got the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. But then you got Roman Reigns. Like I don't, who, I don't, I don't know who's going to win that. <laughs> Usually I have an idea, but for this one I have no idea. And that's the match. Like this is the first time in a while that I've been looking forward to a match. In WWE. You know, yeah, seriously. right. Cause in, they put a lot of attention to this, to the buildup, which I'll give them credit for. And they've also played into the storyline, the idea that Brock might get screwed of the belt or that just the format of a fatal four way would set him up to the lose. And they said, you know, Paul Heyman said in that, in that promo to pay the ultimate price. And that's a nod to the rumors of UFC and John Jones. So that's a real juicy storyline that they actually did well on. I want to see where it goes because it could be a setup for him just to retain the belt and it was all a tease or they could straight up screw him you don't know yeah you're, you're right but man I'm, I'm i'm going off topic right now but this is this is how you know it's bad like wwe is doing a thing but i find being the elite more more entertaining than the wwe <laughs> i don't know if you watch that but i watch whenever they come out i watch it i watch it twice being the elite like I'm, i just like the, i don't know just if the wwe people in the, the wrestlers in wwe would actually like be like more like the young bucks and the yes. elites, those guys. It'd be more. It'd be. I feel like you'd see like New Day tried 
But I feel like you see, uh, I, I think you see more content. Be a bit better pro- product all around. So you see people, me, more people invested into it. You're right. For anybody that doesn't know, the part of the Bullet Club in Japan is a subset of that called the Elite, which is the Young Bucks, the Jackson Brothers, and Kenny Omega. Sometimes Cody Rhodes involved in that. They put out a YouTube show, which it's crazy. It's incredible. So here, just hear, hear the theme song. <laughs> Anybody that couldn't see, and that's everybody, couldn't see King Mo doing the hand gestures in there. They put out this show that is like part a road diary of what it's like behind the scenes for them. Part of it is they make up these hilarious storylines that get worked into the actual matches. Right. Hey, the, the funniest thing is the, the FTR. Yeah, F the Revival, <laughs> yes. That's the funniest thing because, I mean, I, I went to a match, and I might hear people yell the F the Revival, and then I heard the Revival come out with something called Forever the Revival to – but it's pretty it's pretty interesting man i enjoy watching it it's pretty funny but they swear they show their real personalities and it all goes back to that original point if wwe scripted less let their creative superstars act like creative superstars you would see a different landscape and a different ball game today but it's vince mcmahon's toy and it's a corporate business that makes a lot of money and he's going to control every sound and voice that comes out of there and that's that's the bottom line look at the hardys man like um the Hardys, what they did with with the, with the, what they did with Impact Wrestling. Yes. When they had the chance to c- control creative and run their whole story with the um the Broken Hardys, that was the man. That was the hottest thing going. Like that was the hottest thing going in wrestling for about what a year and a half, two years, and something like that. But um, now they kind of dropped the ball on that. You know, hopefully they can get it back. Uh, that would that changed the game in a lot of ways, you know. Like to 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 see a guy like Matt Hardy, you know, in his early forties, reinvent his character that hard. Where I don't want to see the old Matt Hardy. I have respect for the old Matt Hardy. I don't want to see the old Matt Hardy. I only want broken Matt Hardy. That's the bottom line. We all do. So hopefully they can work that out. I don't know. Maybe WWE's too proud. There, yeah, there it is, the delete sign from King Mo. the delete sign. <laughs> We're about to delete this episode. You can hit me up on Twitter at B Campbell CBS. King Mo, where can the fans find you on social media here these days? Uh, nah, forget social media. If you want to find me, you can find me. But uh, at King Mo FH. Yes. You know. I guess. You know, I thought you were going to say, if you want to find me, come down to the gym, and that's where you'll find me. You're going to have to challenge me. Though. Top team every day. <laughs> ATT, there it is. King Mo, thanks so much for joining us. I want this to be a regular thing. I mean, you got you bring it across three sports like very few others. Uh, well, I'll be here. Um, we'll, we'll figure out Monday. You know what I'm saying? We're talking. We can make something happen on Monday. There it is. We got two words for the people every week on the way out. It's very easy. We out. <laughs>